Wow. I'm excited for all that the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us as a community. He is uh, so faithful. I'm excited about that announcement. I'm excited about Aaron and Jess stepping into this new part of their journey, which is actually all part of all of our journeys. And um, before I get into what I feel the Holy Spirit's given me to share today, I just really felt like... um, the, the Holy Spirit wanted to say to us that we're in a very exciting season as a church, right? The church at large, but as a church, as a body here in Raleigh, we are in a new and exciting season. Now, I recognize that we are in transition, and again, that's for the whole body across the world. But And for those of us who are mothers... And if you've birthed a baby before, you know that that part of the labor and delivery that is the transition phase is the most intense part of the labor. It's like your body is building with the contractions ready to deliver and it is a little bit painful. It's the the point where you are like, okay, I'm done. I want to get up and leave, get this baby out. And, and, I, and I recognize that even in this moment of transition for us, there may be a little bit of discomfort, yeah. right? There may be a little bit of, you know, we recognize pain at times. Change can sometimes be a little bit difficult, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong. And, and we're in this phase of transition as a body and we are about to step into a delivery, I believe, that is actually going to be phenomenal and supernatural. I had pretty supernatural child birth. My longest labor was two and a half hours from the very start to the end and 45 minutes was my quickest from the start to the end. So I only had time for one midwife to get there. But I feel like there is an acceleration in this place and and what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so I just want to say, unless the Holy Spirit is telling you to go, I want to say, don't go for the wrong reasons. Stay and press in and keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't give up. Now is not the time to give up. It's the time to focus on Jesus and stay engaged and press into Him for all He has for us in this season. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, well, just the, that first part of Ecclesiastes up to verse 8, this is what I was thinking about, this seasons, the, that God has seasons for us as individuals, but seasons for us as the church as well. And season, we're in this new season in Catch the Fire Raleigh Durham. We've had past seasons and we're in a current season at the moment. And there will be more seasons. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says, For everything there is a season. So there is a purpose and a season for everything in God under heaven. And in verse 2, it talks about there's a time to plant and there's a time to uproot right? In our season, Murray's and mine at the moment, we are being uprooted, right? But here in Raleigh, there is a time for planting and sowing, okay? And so the uprooting, we, you know, with a pot, uh, plants that you have, I call them pot plants, but that's a bit dodgy, isn't it? Because it sounds like something else. Uh, a potted plant, <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, the pop plant might make you feel more relaxed about the change, but anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't agree with it. I'm not, I'm just, I do not endorse that part of the message. Um, but it, with a potted plant, as it grows and the roots are, are growing and going deeper and spreading, you, you need to shake it and uproot it and replant it in a bigger pot for health and growth. And so there's an, an appropriate season for being uprooted and repotted somewhere else, which is happening for Murray and I in this season. But that is creating room in the Holy Spirit for the growth to come here as well and for Aaron and Jess to step into a new pot and for them to grow and actually for this whole body to grow. So there's a time to plant and a time to uproot and there's a time to break down in verse three and a time to build up. This is not the time to break down. We've had a season of breaking down through this past season, right? In the church at large, there has been a breaking down and a breaking off of things that God never intended for us as the church, as the body to carry. And he's shaken us and broken down. But now we are in a new season, which is a time to build. That is building here in this church family. That is building in your workplace. Maybe it's a new job. It's a new, as Dunk was just leading us in, in declarations and praying and believing for upgrade and and a new, new provision from heaven, this is a time for building. It's not a time to cower back and hide. It's a time to build. And the Lord has appointed and anointed Aaron and Jess to take us, all of us together, we're all part of this, to step into this new season of growth that He has for us. And I heard the Holy Spirit saying, there is supernatural grace for building and acceleration being released to us in this, in Catch the Fire Raleigh, Durham, and to you as an individual, supernatural grace and acceleration to build. Okay? Now, if you think about the story of Nehemiah, you don't need to go there. But in Nehemiah, it was phenomenal. He was called to rebuild the wall. He was called to rebuild that that was torn down. And he stepped into that place, and they supernaturally... The, the Jewish people all brought their gifts and their talents and their skills and they invested their time into a part of rebuilding the wall. If you read it, you see there are different people that, that focused on different parts of the wall. But collectively, in unity, it caused a supernatural acceleration of the rebuilding in 52 days. I mean, that is epic. And I feel like that's what season we are in. But the key is working together, is unity in the spirit. It doesn't mean we all agree about everything, but we are united, one heart and one mind and one purpose. And that rebuilding is establishing, the building is establishing, it's not about our own little, you know, palaces. It's about establishing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It's about seeing his family on the earth grow for heaven, okay? So, that's, so it's establishing his kingdom in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. And, and you read in that story about 
the Israelites rebuilding and it says they strengthen, they were said, they were told to strengthen your hands for the good work, rise up and build. And so I want to say, guys, strengthen your hands. Okay, strengthen your hands for the good that's already prepared for all y'all, for all of us. Rise up and build. Step in, step up and take your place in this body where you've been holding back. Step forward, step in. You have a part to play into the future. And that also goes for you in your workplace, in your neighbourhood, in your family. Step into your place in this season now. It's like now. All the different groups join together to be part of the building, bringing their different gifts to participate in the rebuilding. Let's do that together. Yep. And, and our Murray's and my prayer and our heart, I, was, I, I felt emotional again in the, in the second service watching that video and, and just tuning into what the Holy Spirit has for this body. Because although we're going, we're still part of the family. We're, we're just part of the extended family. We're the crazy uncle and aunt. <laughs> <laughs> Going up to Toronto, we are a family on a mission. I love being part of a global family, and that is what we are. It's, it's God's doing something here, but he's doing something in Catch the Fire all over the world, and we all get to play a part in, in what he's doing. And so Murray and Mai, this, this verse in Philippians 1, verse 3 to 6, is, is our prayer. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. We will be remembering you and praying for this body. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, for y'all, making my prayer with joy. Our prayers are going to be with joy for this community for you guys because of our partnership because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Guys, you're partnering with the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel. If it's not us, who will it be? Right? That's what our prayers of joy and celebration are. Partnering in the gospel, sharing the good news of the kingdom to Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill and to the ends of the earth. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, in us all, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus is going to finish what He started. He will complete through you what He started in you. That's for all of us. He's going to complete it. He's faithful. Okay. Amen. So I want to share today from the passage in Hebrews. You know, I've, I really felt like I'm carrying on from what Kate preached a couple of weeks ago and then Murray preached last, last Sunday. I was up in Toronto preaching up there for the first time. It was fun. I was a little nervous at first, but I settled back into my heavenly daddy who has everything all under control, <laughs> as I do any time, you know, I get up to share. But um, it, was a, it was wonderful, but it, I, the Lord's been kind of pulling out this theme for us of the adventure it, that he's got us on in this season. And I really felt like I wanted to talk about being in the race today and having grace to run the race and particularly letting go of comparison. 
I'll share a little bit about that in a minute. So if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 in your Bibles, let's read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, just as they did, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I love this passage. I do not love running. I'm going to be honest with you. I love to watch people run in the Olympics, especially the relay races. I love watching them. I sit on the end of, edge of my seat. But I am not a runner unless I'm chasing a tennis ball around or playing a game or, you know, I'll, I'll ski down a hill. I like that. I, but I'm not a runner. And I'll just let you know when I walk with my husband, I have to run because he has long legs and he walks very quickly. Even when he's having a stroll, he walks very quickly. So the only way that I can keep up to him is by running or holding his hand. So I hold his hand a lot because I don't like running. <laughs> but I love the imagery here of, of the race that, that, that the Father has invited us each into. But, but if you start at the beginning where it says, therefore... The therefore is because of what's happened in the chapter before, which is the list in, in chapter 11 of all of the, the heroes of the faith who were people just like us with, you know, foibles and who are not perfect and make mistakes. But they, they ran the race with their eyes on Jesus as their prize and they stayed the course and they got the prize by going to be with him in the end. And, and so it's like, because of this great cloud of witnesses, we are surrounded by them. It's like they are watching and looking at each of us and cheering us on and saying, come on, go for it. You know, there's like this divine relay race over history, Okay, where they ran their leg of the race and they're saying to us, here you go, here's the baton, you can run the race now, here we're handing it over to you. Or maybe there's, there's people in your past generations who have, who have led godly lives and they said, here we go, we're handing this over to you, it's your turn to run your race. And it's like this divine relay race and we have this great cloud of witnesses saying, come on, you can do it, go for it, you go, you go. Jesus has got you. <laughs> I love that, that they're cheering us on. They ran their leg of this multi-generational, multi-ethnic part of the relay race of heaven. And that is beautiful. It's not just one size fits all. They had different personalities. They had different characters. They had different likes and dislikes. And they brought all of that into the race. Kate preached a little bit about that the, a few weeks ago. So it's this multi-generational relay. So the, the reality is, is that God has a race set for each one of us. He has a lane set for us to run in. But it's not just about us. It's about others as well. We're called, we are not part of the great cloud of witnesses yet. 
We haven't gone to be with Jesus yet. We're not part of that great cloud yet. We are still in our race and we are still in our lane and we are still running. So we are invited and called to participate, not spectate, to be all in, not standing on the sidelines watching everybody else. We are in a race. I love this picture, the relay race, like you're at the starting, at the starting line and you, they get down on all fours and they're like, okay. It's like all this explosive energy on the inside and the, the gun goes and it's like, and they take off. That's where we're at. I mean, we're, we've been r- running already, but there's, there's a fresh explosive propulsion that is coming in this next season for each of us if we say yes. And so I just want to say to you this morning, do you have your running shoes on? I know Kyle Philippi was here a little few t- weeks ago and he had his, his mission boots. Well, today I'm asking, have you got your running shoes on? You can look cute and be comfortable in trainers, <laughs> which is very important to me. <laughs> Where are you running, right? Are you in your lane or are you trying to go in someone else's lane? Are you trying to cross over? And get into the, a different lane, because that looks a little bit better than your lane. Or maybe the, the Father's inviting you to change lane, to step out of one season into another, which is where Murray and I are going. We're still in the race, but we're stepping into a new leg of the race. Where are you running? Are you running away from something? Or are you running towards Jesus, got your eye on him. You know, so often we can think, oh, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. This feels too hard. This doesn't feel like joy. This is too confining. I like, the the grass is always greener over the other side. But one of Murray's bosses used to say, but the face in the mirror is still the same. (laughs) You take all your issues with you into the next lane, unless you deal with them. So often we can look either behind us and think, I don't like this, or look around us and think, I don't like this. So I'm running, I'm going to run away from that. But we're not running into where an invitation from God the Father, right? Are you running away? I want to encourage you to stay, even in the discomfort of that transition. Stay until you are called and you can run towards that calling. I want to ask you, who are you looking at in your race as you're in your lane? Are you looking to the left or the right and comparing yourself with others? Are you looking behind you, worried about your past or some mistakes that you've made? You know, it's, we've each got a unique calling, a unique part to play in this divine relay race. Each of us have an adventure, a lane in Jesus that we are called to be a part of. Like Murray was mentioning about that that passage in Ephesians 2 verse 10, there there are these good works that have been predestined for us to live in. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk or run in them. 
I love the New Living Translation. It says, "We, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So he planned all of these good things for us in advance before we were even created. And then he got his fingerprints all over each one of us. Each one of us is a masterpiece designed before the foundation of the world. He saw you. He, he saw your personality. He saw your unique gifting. He saw your skin color. And he's like, this is good. I made them like this. Let's not be saying, oh, I wish I was like that. I wish I was thin like that person. I wish I was taller like that person. I wish I was white like that person. I wish I was black like that person. Let's not despise the masterpiece that he has created us to be to uniquely represent a tiny facet of his massive, glorious bigness to the world around us. Let's not despise what he created, right? Let's not look across at someone else. We're in this race together. We're not competing with one another. We're actually all in it together. We're running in our lanes together with a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And Jesus, our prize is at the finish line saying, well, I've got it. I completed it already for you. Just keep your eyes on me and run. Don't give up. Endure. No one else can be you, guys. No one else can be me. I, I, I can't be Duncan. He's handsome. Not as handsome as Murray. But <laughs> Sorry, Lord, forgive me for comparing. <laughs> There's a visual illustration right there about how comparison sneaks in. <laughs> I love Dunk. He's my big brother. He's my uh, leader, and he's an amazing man of God, a fiery lover of Jesus, and I really love his passion. I love that he is a, an evangelist. He loves to share. Whenever I'm with him, he'll like share the love of Jesus with someone. I love that about you, Dunk. You, he, is, um, he, he knows the word like nothing else. I'd like to be like him in that. He is a... Um, lover of God, a lover of people, and, but I can't, he's an amazing preacher, but I can't be Dunk. Dunk is in his lane, and he's running his race. I'm following him, close, I'm getting close behind on his heels, <laughs> and I'm happy to follow him in this race, but I cannot run his race. I can't be like him. I have to be Ash. And he can't be me. You need to be you. Uniquely gifted and called. If you're a school teacher, our daughter Hannah is a teacher in a, in a school in Durham, right? No one else can be Hannah in that school. Hannah gets to show her students every day and to show the other staff members every day what Jesus looks like with skin on. She gets to demonstrate his love and care for giving a quality education for her students. Now, there are other teachers that can do that too, but no one will do it like Hannah. She's running her race 
right? She gets to shift the atmosphere of her classroom. She gets to be Jesus to those students. Maybe you're a mom at home or a dad at home. You get, no one else can represent Jesus in the unique way that you can to your children. You get to show your children how loving and patient, sometimes not, (laughs) Jesus is, how kind he is, how forgiving he is, he, he, how loving he is by disciplining us. As a parent, you get to do that and demonstrate and mirror who Jesus is or not sometimes, right? No one else can do that for you. God loves your kids so much that he gave you to them. He has uniquely qualified you for that role and that purpose. And where you fall short, you can encourage them to go and receive healing. (laughs) Right? Because we all fall short. We're never a perfect representation of the Father to those around us. But man, Murray and I have encouraged our girls to go for healing. We've paid for it. We've set it up. And not so long ago, Izzy said to our daughter, Izzy, who's in Mexico, she said, you know, I, I need another measure of healing. I feel these things coming up in my heart. And I'm like, you go for it, girl. You book yourself in with Bruce and Shay and you go for it and, and you tell them all the things that I've done wrong. I don't mind if you share them. If you can share, I'm okay with you sharing that because I know I'm not perfect. And don't feel like you have to protect or cover me. Jesus is covering me right? So I bless you to go and just share it. Just because they're in this church and they know me and I'm a leader, that's okay. You spend time with five minutes with me and you'll know I have weaknesses. My kids know that all the more, but I'm going to bless them to go and receive healing for those gaps where I haven't represented Jesus as well to them. Nobody can be you. If you're a server in a restaurant, you get to represent Jesus who is the ultimate servant and gave his life up for us. You get to do that for the customers. You get to do that for the manager. And no one else can be you in that way, in that restaurant. So we are uniquely called and qualified in Jesus. He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything that we need, those good works that we need, he's put it in us already. And he puts people around us to help us grow So there is grace for you to run your race with endurance. And I just want to say, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Comparison is when we take our eyes off Jesus and we look to the left or the right or behind. And it's one of those weights that can so easily cling to us and bog us down. You know, when you're running, if you look down, you end up tripping over and you, don't, you might crash into something. When you're driving, if you start looking at the car at the side of you, what happens? You start to turn in that direction. I've done that before. And you hear this honk. I like the lane assist now, although I feel like for me it seems to autocorrect a whole lot. <laughs> But when you're driving, really what you need to do is, is we used to teach our girls this, you need to look ahead, not look down just in front of you. You need to anticipate and look ahead. 
Otherwise, you end up veering off to the thing that you're distracted by. That's what comparison does. If you're running a race, if you look to the left or the right, you can end up veering in that direction and you might crash and then get disqualified from that race. Or if you're looking over your shoulder, you might trip over your feet. I used to do gymnastics. I know I may not look like a gymnast, but I used to be quite good at it. And until I kind of grew to a, a size that was not, you know, like not the the workmanship of Jesus for the for the sport of gymnastics, which is okay. <laughs> then I did trampolining because I love throwing myself around. Anyway, in gymnastics, when you're on a beam, they tell you don't look down because you'll wobble and you'll fall off. You lose your balance much more easily. You look at the end and then it's amazing how well you can stay on the, the track of where you're going. That's what this, this passage is talking about. Comparison kills the clarity of vision and contentment to be ourselves, right? It kills contentment and therefore it hinders our ability to run the race that's set for us when we compare ourselves with others. It, it either causes us to feel inferior when we compare ourselves with someone else. And I, I hate to say it, social media is amazing, but I feel it's, it's one of those avenues that the enemy uses to creep in and, and kind of bring comparison in our lives because we see people and their amazing Instagram lives, they've got everything together. They look awesome. Their husband's beside them, buying them flowers on Valentine's Day. And uh, maybe your husband forgot it was Valentine's Day. Uh, but, but on Instagram, everyone's life looks awesome. And we can look at it. We can laugh. But on the inside, we're like, oh, I wish my husband was a bit more like that. I wish my wife was a bit more pretty like that woman. I wish, you know, and I wish, I wish, I wish. And we can compare ourselves and it's dangerous. And it either causes us to feel inferior, less than who the Father created us to be, or it causes us to feel superior because, well, my life is awesome. I'm awesome. Look how I do it. If only, then I compare myself, oh, if I had your job, I'd do it much better than you. I want to encourage you, when Aaron and Jess step fully into this role, don't be looking at them and saying, well, if I was in that role, this is how I would do it. Well, if, if God was calling you to that role, you'd have it. Right? Let's not look at them and judge, right? They're young, they'll make mistakes. Murray and I have made plenty of mistakes. Duncan and Kate have made mistakes. We're human, right? No pedestals here, right? No pedestals. But don't look at them and say, well, if I had that job, I'd do it better. Pray for them. Honour them. Bless them. Support them. Come alongside them. Step into the great cloud of witnesses and say, come on, you go, guys. That's what Murray and I are doing and will continue to do. I'm so proud of them. Jess is my niece, but that's not why they've been chosen for this role. They've been chosen by heaven. Right? And we just heard, tapped into heaven. Duncan and Kate, Murray and I were like, okay, you got them, Jesus. So let's, it either causes us to feel inferior or superior. 
In your workplace, don't look at the person who gets the promotion and compare yourself and say, well, if I had that, I would have done it better. That should have been mine. Okay, it will kill vision. It will cause you to have a massive distraction and it will be a disruption to your workplace, not just yours and to your life, but others as well. There are, there are repercussions to these things that go on. There are, we, we reap what we sow. I just want to look very quickly at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 5 to 9, because I think this story is a really great example of comparison and how it kills and destroys. It's about Saul's jealousy of David, because jealousy is one of the fruits of comparison quite often, or pride. It says, as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the, woman, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul. So they were there to celebrate Saul, right? With tambourines, with songs of joy, with musical instruments. It's like a big fanfare, a homecoming. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. And I don't think they realized exactly what they were saying and the effects that it would have. Saul has struck down his thousands. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Thousands. And David, his ten thousands. Uh-oh. And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me, poor little me, they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? He's coming for my spot. I care more about my position, and I have to protect my position than I do about the plans and purposes of God for my nation. Be careful when it's all about your position. What more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. In that moment, well, it probably happened before then. God had already told him through Samuel that he was, that he, the kingdom was going to be taken away from him because of his actions. So he already knew that and he's probably been looking out, oh, I need to look out for who's the next one because I've got to take them down. And he tried to take David down. So from that day on, because of the comparison and the issues of his heart, he kept his eye on David and he took his eyes off God and the plans and the purposes. I bet he could have repented and, and it may have been a different story. Let's take note of what's going on in our hearts So he took his eyes off God and celebrating what God had done through himself because they were celebrating what God had done to defeat the armies, right? (laughs) They were celebrating what God did through Saul as well, but he took his eyes off God and celebrating what God had done through him and himself and David and he focuses on David. He's insecure. He can't separate David's success from his own success. He, it's all wrapped up. It's all intertwined. He, it's like he's, he's being rejected as king and he's, it's going to be snatched away from him. He couldn't even recognize and celebrate 
what God was doing through David, who he had appointed in this role. His own son, Jonathan, could see the calling on David's life and to the point where it was rightful for him to take the throne. But Jonathan saw the gift of God on David and he took off his robe and put it on him and they were bonded like brothers. But Saul didn't have eyes to see that because it was all about him. He had a victim mindset. Oh, woe is me. They just said the thousands. Now, what I do want to, you know, quite often we struggle with our own comparison where we look at someone else and we compare ourselves with them. We look at their life, at their job, at their position, and we compare ourselves with them. But sometimes, and that's hard, you know, and we we can deal with that. But sometimes comparison creeps in here, and especially when there's already a wounding, and we see the catalyst for the comparison was actually an external voice, external voices publicly comparing David and Saul. And so that, the women singing that thing, that chant and celebrating because of the wounds in his heart, he could not celebrate what God was doing through him and David. He actually, that was the catalyst. And often we do struggle with our own voice, but we can struggle with other people comparing us. Okay, when Murray and I were first married, Uh, I was cooking a roast dinner and Murray said to me, Ash, are you not supposed to boil the potatoes before you roast them? My mum boils the potatoes before she roasts them. Well, it was a fine moment for Murray, innocent, but I have to admit I was not as healed as I am now. And so I turned to him and I said, well, why don't you invite your mother over to come and cook? The dinner. Sorry, mum. I love my mum, my mum-in-law and my dad-in-law. She's an amazing cook and I do love her roast potatoes. But anyway, that comparison, because there was insecurity already on the inside of me, pushed a button and Murray got to see that angry monster come out. Okay, if I was secure in who I was, I would have said, oh, okay, that's maybe a good suggestion. Or maybe I'll try that. Anyway, so I just want to say, if you're struggling with comparison, if you're struggling with comparison, you may experience this. You cannot celebrate others' successes. Okay, we can't see somebody else's success as our honor. It's our honor to see Aaron and Jess step into this role that we've been in for the last six or seven years. It's our honor actually, to see them step into that. If, if we cannot see that, maybe we're struggling with comparison. If you cannot celebrate other people's successes, if you are stingy with your compliments and your affirmation, we, that's an indication that I feel like there's not enough success or favor to go around. So I have to cling to everything and I cannot celebrate you and how amazing you are. Because if I say that, that means I'm less than. If you secretly would find joy in someone else's failure. Maybe you're struggling with comparison. And we don't like to admit that, but we feel sometimes pleasure when someone else messes up. Because we don't feel secure. There is a divine relay race, friends, that we are in. And I want to just say to you that that there is a time 
that, that you will be invited to hand the baton to the next generation if you haven't already. Okay, now that doesn't mean you're kicked out of the race. You're still running and you might be running behind and cheering them on and celebrating and saying your success is my honor. But can you let go when it's time to let go? Murray and I are letting go. It's hard sometimes when we've been used to doing some things. I'm, I don't deny that. that c- it can be a little hard, right? But man, what a privilege and what a joy and a delight as we settle into running our next leg of the race to see them soar and go for it. Do you want to stand? I just want to spend a moment just taking us through some ministry for our hearts in this. As I've been sharing, maybe you recognize that there's been some comparison that you've been struggling with, or maybe, and it's caused you to kind of step out of the race, give up, feel less than. Or maybe you've recognized that there's a bit of pride and you feel like you're competing with people and you have to be better than people at things to prove that you are valuable. The good news is is that we're called and qualified to walk in the good works that Jesus has prepared in advance. He is our safe place. He is the champion racer and runner. He is on the inside of us. So we do not need to compete with anyone. We can run together and cheer each other on. So if you want to close your eyes, just lift up your hands, lift up your face to the one who loves you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on what's happening around. I want to invite you in this moment right now, as you're looking at Jesus, to just acknowledge that you felt competitive with others. You felt less than. Just Get real with the Holy Spirit right now because he already knows. You recognize it's been a bit of a distraction and slowing you down or stealing your contentment. I want to encourage you right now just to repent for coming under comparison, for competing, for being jealous. Just speak it out. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for comparing myself with others, for taking my eyes off you and looking at other people and wishing that I had their life, wishing that you'd made me different. Lord, for any, I'm sorry for behaving like an orphan and trying to do it in my own strength and compete. Lord, I repent. I release that to you right now. And I ask for your forgiveness, Lord. Maybe someone has compared you with other people and that's hurt you. I want to invite you right now in this moment just to give that to Jesus. To let go of other people's opinions and comparisons. If you need to release the pain of your own actions or others' words. 
I want to invite you to just do that right now. Just give the pain to Jesus. Let it out. And just ask him to forgive you. And maybe you can forgive others that have caused you to step into this, that have been part of you stepping into comparison. Just release them. Let them off the hook. Let it go. And just breathe in the love of the Father who has you. He's equipped you. He's called you. And he's given us everything we need. If you found yourself holding on too long, I want to just invite you to just say, I let go. I release what is not mine to carry anymore. I release the baton. And maybe in that place, say, Holy Spirit, who is it that you want me to give my life away to, to pour into in the next generation, in this community or in my workplace, in my family? Would you give me eyes to see them? Give peace to my heart. Settle my heart so that I can be free to give away what is actually yours, Jesus. I want to encourage you to keep walking, keep running the race together. God has good stuff for us. Amen.